and welcome to the 250, the podcast where we put that thing back where it came from. Also, help me. I'm Douglas, and with me as always is my co-host, Jonathan. How are you, Jonathan? I'm feeling very uh, visually appreciated, Douglas. <laughs> visually How appreciated. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, thank you. Um, if this is your first time tuning into the 250, we have taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020, and have begun watching them from number 250 through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, thoughts, and reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, number 231, Monsters, Inc. James P. Sullivan and Mike Wazowski work at Monsters Incorporated, a facility where monsters scare children to generate scream gas that powers their city of Monstropolis. But the monsters are just as terrified as the children, and when one child accidentally enters the factory, Mike and Sully learn of a conspiracy that could threaten all children around the world. This film is directed by Pete Docter, 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 Docter. Uh, written by Andrew Stanton, Jill Colton, Jeff Pigeon, Ralph Eggleston, Daniel Gerson, and Pete Docter. I feel like it's you know if oh, you yeah. put if you capitalize one word in the script, you get you get a writing credit. No, that's mean. That's yeah. really mean. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people, I think, for gen- generally for Pixar movies, a lot of people work on the script. Um, y- you you can you know. You could be very negative about it being one of the, like, made-by-a-committee films, but the film is good, mm. so... Totally. It's, fine. <laughs> it's very cohesive for a film that was written by six people. Like, it doesn't feel like it was written... Well, I don't know. I guess it feels kind of like it was written by six people, but it also doesn't, if that makes any sense. Um, if, it, if it helps, it was actually written by four people... And then uh, a screenplay was made by the other two. Oh, okay. Uh, so, wait, is... what's Pete Docter is one of the original story writers, which I actually might read sense. into in a little bit. Yeah. Um, as he directed the film. Mm. I'm assuming it's kind of like his, <clears throat> his vision and his baby. So, uh, both Jonathan and I have watched this film before. Um, I watched it... Has anyone a- not watched this film before? I... Probably. Um, oh, well, potentially, I guess. I watched it as a kid when I was growing up, and I loved it then, and I love it now. Uh, when did you watch it? I'm assuming you watched it as a kid as well, John? Uh, we had, we had a, I think we rented a DVD from the library, and we probably watched it 10 times oh, in that period cute. of time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, de- I definitely watched it a lot as a kid, because the, while I was watching the film, I was, like, I was able to quote things before they said it, and I was like... <laughs> but, like... You don't know that you know the quote until the bit comes along, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, this bit." <laughs> I feel like um, I feel like I can't do that with a lot of other Pixar films. Like I can't do that with Toy Story. Can you do it with this one though? I can totally do it with this one. Mm. Yeah, but this film does have a lot of very good quotable quotes. Very so, quotable quotes. Yeah. Um, most of them come from coming from Mike Wazowski. Uh, is it John John Goodman? John John, John Goodman is. It's John yeah, Goodman, John yeah. Goodman is John, John Goodman, Goodman is Sully. Yeah. yeah, and then um, Billy Crystal as Mike Wazowski. We've had Billy Crystal on the two five zero before when we watched The Princess Bride. Um, oh, he wait. was uh, the the smart dude, um, Vizimi or whatever his fucking name was. I forget it. It's wait, the- really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, no, oh he my. was um, uh, sideshow Bob. Uh, 
fucking the he was miracle max miracle max that's it sideshow bob (laughs) sideshow bob (laughs) that is a different uh show yeah douglas um (laughs) miracle max that's right he's miracle max in the princess bride and he has a fantastic role in the princess bride um and i remembered i heard his voice in the princess bride and i was like it's mike wasowski I'm pretty sure I said it in the Princess Bride podcast. I was like, it's fucking... I think that went straight over my fucking head. Wow. Well. Yeah. I'm guessing he just has... I'm I'm about to make those connections, I'm pretty sure. I'm guessing he just has that voice. You know what I mean? Like, it... Because he has the same voice in um, uh, the Princess Bride as he does for Monsters, Inc. Like, he's got the Mike Wazowski voice. So, I'm assuming that's just how he sounds which is kind of right, cool. okay um yeah but yeah fuck i love this movie it's got a lot of nostalgia value for me and there was a, genuinely a point where i like i started to tear up because i don't know it was really weird it was this sensation of i watched this as a child and i had not seen it in probably like a decade and revisiting these characters and this world and all the lines and stuff that I laughed at as a kid and then some of the ones that I definitely missed and uh, finally caught up on now. Yeah, it's definitely got a lot of nostalgia value for me. So that probably plays part and parcel into why I enjoyed it so much. But Taint, Taints it a little bit, but, yeah, you know. Yeah, it, uh, that's, that's, that's rose, the wrong rose term. That's definitely glasses. the wrong term. Something like that. Yeah. But I think, you know, I don't think people disagree with us on the quality of this film. Mm. I, think, I think the... Um, the comedy is fucking great, and I uh, yeah, comedy holds up so well. It's a very pretty spoilerable kind of piece of content, Film, but I don't want to yeah. harp on it too much. Mm. Um, but the comedy is all really good. But I actually really, really like the story. I think that both works with. I'll also get into that later, I guess. With with your kind of very classic, uh, it takes a very classic um, like hero's journey type deal. Yeah, but kind of messes with it a bit a mm, little bit messes with uh, the formula. it was just switches up a little bit uh, there's a couple the of very neat underlying um uh i would say i guess like metaphors i suppose that mm. i missed mm. as a child i mean obviously you miss that shit as a child but then yeah when you grow up there's uh yeah definitely some messages and stuff in there where i was like whoa like holy shit this is in a 2001 pixar movie which i i mean you know it's Pixar in their in their heyday. Um, they're still riding the glory of Toy Story, and um, pretty sure Toy Story two came out around the same time Monsters Inc. did. You know, they were mm-hmm. Disney and Pixar were both riding high, so it's yeah uh, to be expected, I suppose. I yeah yeah I guess so of their uh, their quality standard. Hmm. But uh, yeah, for, if you haven't seen this movie, go watch this movie. It's only an hour and a half. It's an easy. Arvo watch if you're just looking for uh something light-hearted very very fun uh it's yeah really good absolute classic i'm trying to think of what's some other pixar films that that might be good i guess incredibles is really good oh fuck yeah incredibles it's the i don't think the incredibles is on the list is it which is a bit of a I'm shame because that's like my favorite same. superhero film <laughs> yeah um Oh, Funny Nemo, obviously. Oh, that's, yeah, doy. And that's like an obvious Wally. Winner. Um, Wally. But I think I'd prefer to watch this than Wally. I think because yeah, it's probably yeah. like, there's like less emotional less stress to, think to about. this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, Monster Sync is, yeah, uh, you can get a little bit more at face value with Monster Sync. But it is, also you know, it also does have a really a lot of good messages to totally, it. Totally, yeah, uh, yeah. That that you kind of well again pick up better when you're. 24 years of age instead <laughs> yeah. of eight <laughs> instead of eight so. and you watch the monster in the beginning when he falls over on the spiky tax and you go ha, ha, ha. That, okay that was that's a bit of fun pre-spoiler discussion sure. why does every kid's room in that film have the uh, spiky the, like jacks yeah. the jacks on their floor every, all of them have it and they're, just they're carelessly strewn around on their floor was it just a thing that everyone had back in 2001? Yeah, like, it was just, you know, well, I'm going to bed. I should lay out some jacks on my floor so I can wake up and to stab st- my to feet. stop all the monsters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Monster protection. Uh, yeah, highly recommend this movie. So, if you want to go check out the movie, go check it out. I would, yes. Go check it out. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it as well. I, I have nothing but praise for this one. Nothing but, what was that, phrase? Praise. Oh. <laughs> Praise. Uh, well, in that case, we might um, toolon over to Spoiler Town. Sure. So, uh, e- editing Jonathan, if you could be so kind as to play uh, the Monsters, Inc. Uh, opening ear rape version. Oh, no. Spoiler Siren. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. <laughs> I, you wouldn't have heard that, but uh, on the, the stream, I did the air horn. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> God damn I, it. I had the air horn queued up. So that's the, that's the spoiler horn, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you, no, no, I refuse. <laughs> if you haven't listened to uh, the... Uh, if you haven't watched the film uh, and you don't want to be spoiled, don't listen past this point. But I mean, it's Monsters, Inc. Come on. What are you doing, people? Yeah, your, it's an your hour and a half. viewership is going to just fall in fucking half. <laughs> So I, I I don't know what I want to start with. Um, I think an easy spot to start is the visuals. I mean, uh, just, fuck the opening in general, like the oh, oh, oh yes the intro credit sequence. Fuck it, like just the best way to start a movie like ever. The fucking jazz is. I forgot how <laughs> fucking jazzy this film is. <laughs> the soundtrack. Oh, it's so good. I I I was just not you both. John and I. Uh, we love jazz. We're we're big, big, jazz we're big jazzy boys. Jazz jazz big jazzy boys. Um, big jazz fellas. And yeah, we listened to jazz on the reg, and I just I don't know. There was some part of my brain that was like, oh, Monsters Inc. isn't that jazzy. And then when the you know the when that starts coming in in the intro, I was like, oh my god. And then I was like, I hope this continues throughout the film, and it fucking does. It's great. Yeah, it's. It is excellent, and it's um, it's all for the benefit of the kind of aesthetic of yep. the location. So, good segue, Douglas. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. No, uh, the 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 uh, the intro was great. I really love the little animated bits and like the the the, the serpent the, picking up the M and fucking off with the it. The little and monsters then, moving stuff around. Yeah, and, the doors and then he comes and, back and he spits the M out for the because it's the monsters ink is missing the M and he spits the M back yep. out and he's like, yay. <laughs> So it's it's definitely going like this is a cheery little film and it's this like concept of very Pixar yeah the the monsters coming out of the wardrobe but they're they're kind of it's it's very odd because I I was trying to think like I wasn't scared by this film as a kid and I think that's that's something very clever that they've done is creating a film about monsters scaring children but how do you pitch that as a children's film 
without it like scaring kids. You know what I mean? Right. So how do you make the plot point of the film monster scaring children, but then ensuring that your audience, the children, aren't scared by the monsters and it doesn't turn into some weird animated horror film. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, how they got around that, in my head, is that they have the monsters afraid of the children in return. Yeah, yeah. Because then that adds that whole uh, slapstick comedy, uh, the, like, you know, these big, buff... You know, scary looking dudes that are all awesome, de- awesome design. Covered in eyes and teeth and, and shit. And then, yeah, whenever they see like a, a sock or something on one of them, or like they're like, oh, the kid touched me. They like, they become like little crybabies. I think that mm. as a kid, that adds the like, oh, these guys are just, they're wimps, you know. Um, that brings yeah. down the, the, the fear level a lot, which is very clever. They're, uh, they're, a- they're acting. The scaring. They're just, they're just there to lacking. scare you because their job. Yeah, yeah. They're just, their- they're just putting in, they're meeting that quota. Which, holy shit, all of the factory stuff in this film, I yeah. understand so much more now that I'm like <laughs> a 20-something. Like, as a kid, I was like, wow, a factory. And now I'm like, oh, God. Like, you know. And he's like, wow, you you met your quota in like one day. I was like, fuck, I wish, man. <laughs> like, yeah. That hasn't happened. Jesus yeah. Christ. I, it's, it's all... Very kind of turn of the century, uh, which is kind of what the jazz plays into. And of course, what could be more iconic for that aesthetic than Monster New York? Yeah. <laughs> which is just absolutely dumb as shit. The, the intro section with all the characters. Oh, the, Tony's Grocery. I wrote that down. You remember my yeah. Tony character that I do? My, yeah. yeah see? Tony Bellalucci. See? Yeah. And like the... It's uh, Mike and Sully walking past this, like, octopus squid-looking dude, and they're all like, Hey, the bang Hey, Tony! Why? And I was like, oh my god. Tony the Greengrocer. Is that just subconsciously where I pulled that from? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, looked, you looked back into your memory banks. And 19 like, years. Tony. <laughs> and that's, that's where it all came from. Hey, it's, it's, uh, you know, I want to show my fucking hand too early, but I guess I will. Um, the film is kind of presenting this monster world as the normal and familiar world, right? And then the... So, so that means that we take this thing that would be strange and make it familiar. And the kind of New York, which has 8 billion stereotypes that everyone knows. So, you can work on them so fucking easily. So, yeah, you've got Tony and you've got the dude falling through the grates and you've got uh, the kids skipping on the sidewalk and all that kind of stuff. So that's like part of kind of grounding you in this world. And then the other world is the world that you have, you know, the real world, which is presented as strange to the monsters, Mm. but we're all familiar with it. So it's the monsters see all this stuff as like, oh, this dark spooky bedroom with a creature in it that, is poisonous if it touches you and you know you got boo through that whole first bit where she's kind of just like toddling around because she's like so excited because it's noises. all different you know like it's all different to what she's seen and then like i can only assume i mean obviously the monsters would never have gone outside of a child's bedroom so like they have no idea what the rest of the human world is like beyond mm. the confinement where they do their job which is scaring children um so yeah it does it would seem alien the human world would seem alien to the monsters and then 
vice versa. But uh, boo, just boo. Like, uh, <laughs> her character design is so fucking gorgeous, and like all of the the vo- the the um the voice capture that they got of Boo, she's just such a little gem. And the relationship that she has with Mike and Sully is just I. It was cute when I was like eight, and it's still fucking cute. I just realized that Mary Gibbs was literally three years old when playing this yeah. character. Uh, apparently, two and a half. Two and a half. That must have been. I do have some trivia on that. Don't worry. Okay, yeah, because it's like you know, don't work with animals or children. Thing. <laughs> yeah, rule. Yeah, yeah. Here's a two and a half year old. Yeah, let's work with that. Let's yeah record some voice lines from this two and a half year old. I guess if you have enough time to. To sit there and record this kid making noises and stuff. You'll eventually... If you get, like, a 100-hour bank of yeah. just a child making noises, then, you know, you've got enough stuff that you can slot in amongst all of your animation. Like, there were some moments where I was like, that's a reused voice clip in in the film. I think there's, oh. one, there's one scream that Boo does. And I was oh. like, that's a reuse. They use that once when she's crying... And then I think they use it again when she's um, Sully and Mike are riding the doors through like the door um, warehouse, you know, where they store all of the mm-hmm. the doors. And then Boo does that same scream again. And I was like, what's mm, a little bit of... I did not pick that. Mm, a little bit of ADR whoopsie. D- Douglas, is, Douglas is clearly listening closer than I am as usual. Mm-hmm. But do you, hang on, do you watch the do you watch movies with headphones on or without? Uh, without, I watched all these at my television. Right, I I watch all my films on my headphones because I don't have speakers. So, right, I guess that you know that helps for me to pick up uh, some of the more subtle audio cues. Your options are limited, but it results in a better experience, perhaps. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sure. Perhaps. Whatever you want. Um- <laughs> I should get. I should get. How some much of a stretch monitors. is that? I should get some studio monitors. You 100 percent should. That would be a good time. But you know, I should. I should get a TV that doesn't whine when there isn't shit playing through it. So oh, you know, really, does it like shut down? It's, what happens? No, it just makes noises. It's just got like the noise floor is through the fucking roof. Oh. It's so fucking loud. Oh. It's just an old TV. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm a uni student. I don't have money <laughs> for a good TV. Don't. Hey. Bye. I yeah I you mentioned the um the door uh warehouse mm-hmm. holy fucking shit that whole scene that whole segment is fucking incredible mm. I love that so much just from an animation standpoint it's fucked especially for 2001 yeah just all of the different moving pieces is it's fucked like I, yeah from I've looked into doing animation, like, you know, 3DS Max, Blender, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure uh, Disney and Pixar were working with state-of-the-art equipment at the time. Mm. I just, my brain still fucking boggles at the amount of time it would have taken to render a single frame of that fucking sequence. Fucking hell. Let alone Sully. Sully's character design still holds up today as, like, just immaculate. Like, he looks insanely good. I would say... What would you say, John? If you put it side by side with Monsters, Inc., mm. I think you can see the age a bit. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's definitely like that uh, kind of... It's got that Toy Story 1 
uh, very kind of you know, I mean, and I mean, this is something that's talked about constantly. The fact that the way that animation looks, the way that it does, three D animation looks the way that it does, is because of Toy Story. Yeah, you had at that period in time, the kind of non Hollywood kind of teams were making stuff look like people, but because Toy Story and Bugs Life were these first like breakout hits, where the surfaces were all hard surfaces. You still, that's kind of bled into films for ages and ages and ages where this kind of shiny, a little bit kind of stiff looking aesthetic was the norm. It's it's really odd. I thought the humans in the film looked more wooden than the monsters. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. They look, they look really goofy, and then the the monsters look fucking like the like the the freckles on Mike Wazowski's back and stuff. Like he's got like all of the like the skin on his back, and then you get to see um Sully's palm at one point as well, and you can see all the creases in his palm and everything. And then I'm like, mm. how much of the detail is in Sully's palm, and then how many, how much detail is there in the human the simulation kid like what's the yeah. the difference in quality well i mean i guess there's more to work with with sully with a human kid it's like there's only so much you can really animate with a kid but with sully he's his own being and i guess a centrifugal part of the film you have um you know your uncanny valley type stuff where mm. the the human mind is a lot easier a lot a lot better at picking um what looks like a real human than it is at picking something that isn't that. Yeah. Uh, so you can kind of get away with it. And if you've got a big furry creature or a weird slimy green sphere with one massive eye, that's a very different situation to making a believable human. And the kid at the start, I, I immediately wrote down um, oh, the classic Pixar doll faces. What yes, he's got he's got the um the Andy eyes. That's what I call it. Like you know Andy from oh, Toy geez. Story One. He's got like those eyes. Yeah. Um, where they're almost, they're almost like those doll's eyes where it's like the doll, if you like turn it on its back, the eyes close because yes. they're like little the weighted. eyelids, yeah, are weighted. Yeah, bang on it. And you know, the skin just looks kind of wooden. But the problem is, is that <laughs> a kid actually is like a doll thing. So that critique doesn't super hold true, up. True, true. But then there's, there's one other showing of a kid that's not Boo. Isn't there? And that's the um the one at the end. Yeah, yeah, where Mike Wazowski is doing his comedy bit, which, by the way, fuck, that shit still kills me. I don't like. Fucking it's incredible. so like not funny that it's funny. Like <laughs> just him trying so hard is fucking just the best. It is delightful. I really enjoyed the uh, the f- well, we were talking about messages before our yes, spoilers. Yeah, I really, really liked how the film actually wraps in quite a lot of stuff. So, there's obviously um, a lot of kind of critique of the, like, industrial corporate world. You kind of pick from from the beginning, like, this is kind of exploitative yeah. to be causing what is basically harm to other creatures so that you can have energy Power for your... Yeah. And that's, you know, the rabbit hole goes even deeper with that as you go down. Like, alternative fuel... Uh, sources and stuff like that you know fossil yeah. fuels is the obvious uh, kind of parallel that you can make to our reality and then I I'd, I'd obviously noticed this time around I didn't realize as a kid the you know the idea that Monstropolis was running out of power 
and there was that yes. kind of that underlying pressure on Monsters Incorporated to, you know, everything all seemed kind of cheery in the factory, but for Wardenoose, it was kind of like, you know, f- we're running out of power. We're genuinely going to run out of power because the city I'll, is... I'll do anything to keep this... To, to- Keep this keep company, this company running, exactly. So it's uh, he's desperately trying to find another way, another power source, and he resorts to uh, Randall's bloody scheme. Which, by the way, Randall Steve Buscemi shit blew my mind when I looked it up. I as soon as I heard Randall, I was like, that voice sounds familiar. Why does that sound familiar? And then I looked it up, and I was like, Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Doing here? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just atrocious at this. I've watched so much Steve Buscemi stuff, and I can never pick him on unless it's actually him. Yeah, like he does a fair bit fakes. of voice work. Yeah, which is a bummer because I adore him. He's a, I find yeah, him great, awesome guy. I think Randall is um, a really good. He's kind such of- a good antagonist. Because he's because he's actually genuinely terrifying. That's the thing. His power. Yeah, that's that. His power <laughs> makes him actually fucking scary. Whenever he goes invisible, I was always like, "Fuck my life!" <laughs> like, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember, I remember that being extremely tense when I was much younger. Because the the rest of the monsters are all like, like you know, it's the fee fi fo fum kind of monster, but mm. Randall goes invisible and he could be fucking anywhere at any t- point in time. Which ponders the question: How come Sully is doing so much better than Randall? Exactly. If Randall, Randall is way scarier. Yeah. Well, I guess you know it's all about you know Sully's raw is you know like the. Uh, his selling point mm. but i mean i guess us we we see the softer side of sully so i guess we uh as a result don't picture him as that uh terrifying but i bet if it was just an hour and a half of smash cut of <laughs> sully just going <laughs> for like an hour and a half i'd uh we might find him either a little bit more uh scary i was trying to make a point there <laughs> I um I think it's just mechanically as well a really good move to have Randall have like kind of an extra skill almost. Yes. Yeah. Like like Sully is like this big strong tough character and then Randall is kind of sly and he can do things that the other ones can't which you kind of require that it comes up multiple times during the film where he's like sneaking on people or uh the bit where he's like choking like fighting choking with sully. out sully <laughs> which actually makes a very good comedy bit as well with mike trying to talk to him Excellent. not understanding <laughs> um yeah they, they managed to squeeze in a lot of comedy into the tenser scenes and it's still so much of it still fucking kills me the bit where he's talking mm. randall is talking with his assistant outside the toilet door and he's like when i find whoever it is they're dead and he smashes open the door and then it opens up to them and slowly closes like- back again <laughs> fucking brilliant it's so good so clever incredible there's there's so much stuff that's like so pure mm comedy wise that i'm like i don't even know why i find that funny there's um when they're running through all the different doors and they've got the they're in like some description of asian building and they're like why why is that so fucking hilarious but it totally got me and it got my fucking fiance who i was watching it with <laughs> we're just like like, wh- and when they jump There's- into um into Paris, you know, and like they land because it's the door is like yes. flat on the ground, <laughs> and they jump into the door, but then the door like on the other end is them going 
horizontal and then landing on the ground. So good. Whoop. So clever. Um, I, I, that, I love the doors as well. Yeah, the it's, doors as a concept is very fucking clever. It's very cool. It's, you know, they're not just going like, here is a world full of monsters and the monsters all look weird, but they're basically humans. There is still a bit of legitimate kind of like, uh, I guess like fantasy to it or, uh, just kind of weirdness that plays into that plot and the plot couldn't really work without what well, couldn't, couldn't work without the doors yeah which is like so crazy that it's just like a child's wardrobe door i my mind has to wonder what came first when uh kind of storyboarding this idea what came first well, i'm assuming it's still uh pete doctor's um brainchild this film I gotta wonder what mm. came first. Was it the idea of monsters scaring children? Was it you know like the boogeyman kind of aesthetic? Was it the doors? You know what was it that first got him to this idea? And then you know everything kind of blossomed out of that. Because um, yeah, just the doors is like just another kind of Pixar genius kind of uh, story move i don't know how much do you have anything about the story in your trivia not or like the development terribly if you want to enlighten me i would be more than happy apparently originally featured a 30 year old man dealing with monsters that he drew in a book as a child coming back to bother him as an adult ah each monster represented a fear he had and conquering those fears caused the monsters to eventually disappear that is a completely different yeah Miles that's away. so far removed from what we got. Yeah, that's extremely weird. But yeah. that's a very common um, Pixar thing as well, isn't it? Like normally, it starts from something incredibly devoid of what the final product ends up being, because it it gets put through so many different filters of people that it gets to its finest, you know, like mm. diamond, um, Pol- polished like a fine gemstone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah it's it's so weird that like generally that's that's a kind of a sign of poor quality this kind of like writing through committee but it totally worked the original story was by four people and it was converted by us to a screenplay by another two it's mm. bizarre mm. i really um enjoyed a kind of story wise the the character growth that you get mm. through Sully and then Mike. So, at the start of the film, Sully is very kind of motivated just by, like, want to fix this situation. And his job. He's just doing his job. And his job. Yeah, exactly. His his job is is the kind of key thing here. And it's, you know, that's illustrated by... When Mike and Sully are in, like, the locker room and uh, Mike's like, you know, I'm going to go out on a date with Celia. And then Sully is like, oh, I'm going to go work out, you know. Get ready for mm. tomorrow uh, on, on the scaffold. All he thinks about is the job. Yep. Um, and then that's kind of this growth from him going like, you know, he starts to kind of warm up to being like a father figure mm. to... To Boo. Uh, to Boo. And kind of Mike trails behind on that sort of. But you you end up with the really... I love the um, the bathroom scene. Where he's like chasing Boo around. Yeah, yeah. I I love the fucking costume. The costume yeah, so yeah. Good. The the costume made the, out of the the chair and out of the chair and the uh, the lamp and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They made a point of like him screwing the lamp in and like here is a lamp yeah. with like two little googly yeah, eyes on yeah. it. And 
you know, that becomes his, you know, he kind of swaps over when he thinks that Boo has died in the, the trash <laughs> compactor. I fucking love that Again, scene. It's so good. Wonderful scene. There is nothing like a good sequence of silly face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got some trivia on that uh, particular sequence uh, as well. Oh, awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, nothing like some silly faces, yeah. but he thinks that Boo has died, and that's where you're just like, it's, it's fully snapped over. He's been kind of warming up to it, and now he like actually cares. He, yeah, about, probably cares about but- her safety and her well being. And then, yeah, Mike kind of trails behind this, and that's your your actual big um, kind of conflict, uh, I guess, like, personal conflict of the film, yeah. where Mike uh, is still cares for his life more than, than Sully does at this point. And that gets... That kind of culminates into when he comes back, and, you know, he had more to lose. He has Celia that he cares for a lot mm. and he doesn't want to lose that by getting i don't know detentioned by the cda or whatever mm. happens <laughs> they crash tackle you to the ground and <laughs> just shave you <laughs> which seems to be what happens whenever <laughs> 2319 <laughs> the um the cone of shame yeah yeah <laughs> oh, and when celia gets uh, done by the cda and all of her little medusa snakes all have a little cone of shame as well i fucking love that so fucking good i do not like the cone of shame yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but that that's kind of the message there mike decides he still cares about sully and he's going to put his friendship first and like try and do the right thing and his kind of fear of losing Celia when he kind of quote unquote comes clean on what the actual situation is that's what fixes it and that's kind of this like the truth is the best method honesty is the best solution honesty is the best policy that is that is kind of the takeaway there yeah so it's this you know Nothing like some good little pro friendship yeah, messages yeah, for a, for a children. Get behind friend. that. I completely, uh, obviously missed as a kid, but uh, appreciated as an adult how early the idea of laughter being more powerful than scream is set. Yeah, uh, when Boo is in the apartment with sully and mike and then mike does that fantastic fucking slapstick bit where he like trips over the broom or whatever tumbles into the trash can shelf breaks books fall into his mouth it's like a it's like a um what is it the the machine where you know we've talked about this on the uh, podcast Rube before Gold- you found the name for Rube goldberg it. Machine. goldberg machine it's like that where you know it's just one thing after another after another and then boo oh. boo bursts into laughter and then yeah all the power fucking uh, short circuits they got like a direct comparison with her screaming it's like making their lights like flash because it's like you know that's still power but it's not like you know maximum mm. power as soon as she laughs it just like knocks out the, the entire, entire building. yeah block um which yeah, yeah i found that really clever just as so as setting that idea that early was really cool um yeah, and just lots of yeah. uh, I've, we've already talked about it. Just lots of little moments, like where um, Sully has all of the the stuff or, that he got from Boo's room, just like draped over him, and he tries to flush it down the toilet oh, yeah. and doesn't flush down the toilet, so he stuffs it all in the locker. And then you have the music stops and everything, and he does the <gasps> whoo, 
Ooh, like, you know, wipe the brow and then he starts walking away and we see Boo on his back and then he gets around the corner out of shot and then we're just in the distant scream from Sully and then him running like that. It, it, it's clever comedy. Um, it's very it's very sophisticated, Douglas. I wouldn't hmm, so would go so far as <laughs> no, sophisticated. It's <laughs> no, it's not. It's very slapstick. If I could find one plot hole in this film... It's that it's very minor. It's never explained how Mike got from the Abominable Snowman's lair back to Monsters Inc. Because yeah. Sully sled down the thing and made it to the town. But then Mike just kind of shows up. We don't get like a, a thing from Mike being like, Oh yeah, I took a sled down as well, you know, or whatever. He's just he's just kinda of there with the snowballs and tossing them at um Sully. Which again, how did he he was like, Okay, I'm gonna bring some snowballs with me and fucking lob them at Sully. Like, you know, that was his agenda in his mind. He thought that. He preconceived that. That seems that seems like a Mike Wazowski. But then the snowballs didn't melt on the way back through to Monster Zinc. He would have had to have carried them in his hand from the scare floor (laughs) all the way through into the basement where the the Randall torture dungeon is. And they didn't melt. I don't get it. Um, My number one, not plot hole, but like issue is um, when uh, Mike is in the demonstration room and Mr. Wardeness somehow gets through the door despite being about twice as wide as it. <laughs> if you include his legs, he's like three times as wide as, as the door. The door yeah. It's like, how, how did that work? <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm, skip, I'm skipping the film really quick right oh now. I'm God. seeing if it comes up. Hold on. Are you trying to find Hold like up. the bit where uh, he does it? Yeah, I'm just wondering if it shows like, shows like an empty door uh, or like an open door with him coming out. I don't think it does. No, it wouldn't. There's no Terrible. way because that's a that's a nightmare for character design. Are you kidding me? No, I'm just wondering if they had just if they just had like a door like propped up in like the underground section, and then Mike just like just so happened to pop out there. Oh, maybe. right, yeah, but no, no. but I don't yeah, think so. he's, unlikely. Yeah. Anyway, he's just kind of there. Beside that, I think the film just does such a good job of taking you know your uh, your hero's journey kind of story and kind of flipping it. Yeah. Um, mm. you're you're not you. You don't have this character going into the fantastical world. You've got something fantastical coming back to the normal world mm. and like turning on its head, uh, which is such a kind of refreshing take on yeah. that. Yeah, on that formula, totally. Yeah, I I, I love me a good anti corporate message. Yep. Nothing quite like that. Love it. <laughs> and there's a fun little little bit at the end where all the uh, I think it's all the um, the assistants have become, you know, they're kind of like looked on as like the lesser. The role reversal because they, they have the funny, yeah. Yeah, so like, you know, it's kind of a quality. Everyone has their own strengths mm. and... And I mean, that's, that's set early on in the film, you know, when Sully and Mike are kind of walking around like in the general factory. Mm. Um, it, it, it tends to be that the, the assistants are like the, the comedic backup for the scarers yeah. they have the yeah the brains and then the scarers are the brawn Something like that, yeah. uh, the assistants you know crunch all the paperwork and do all the numbers and then the scarers kind of just you know they sign off on the paperwork and you know job done yeah it's very interesting it's an interesting world to think about and explore and i haven't seen monsters university but i'm assuming that is another good 
uh, way of investing. Not as good, obviously, as Monsters, Inc., but another good avenue of exploring that world. I feel like... Yeah, I don't know. I guess i got to watch Monster University one day. But it's like mm, totally like agreed. this world doesn't need... It doesn't need more exploration, I'm going to be honest with you. This world is... Really? Ju- just... Fo- I, I think... I think... You think you're fine just having it like... Yeah. I think you're so. You're happy with that? I think so. I guess i got to watch it. I guess i got to watch it. I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have mind rather than a prequel having more stuff on like, you know... I think you could do like a, a Monsters, Inc. fucking stand-up show with the the idea that they set up with the, you know, uh, laugh gas being the new thing. Uh-huh. I don't know. I wouldn't have minded that. Like you get a bunch of a bunch of really good stand-up comedians and get them to be, uh, you know, like cameos in the Monsters, Inc. sequel. Right. Um, that would have been cool. Right. Yeah. You get, you get Kevin Hart doing... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I feel like, I feel like that that's always your thing. That's why you always end up with these sequel, uh, these prequels, is because you've the kind of you can't really go any further. Yeah, the like major, yeah, yeah. all encompassing issue to, uh, you know, the core, the, you know, the original film, kind of wraps it up so neatly. This this power uh, shortage is now completely handled. We've got more laugh than we will ever be able to use up. Um, so yep. like, where would you go from that? And you would, you know, you, you, the, 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 the films that do to that kind of thing is like, oh, it's suddenly it's like the film is like centered around relationship trouble or something, which is like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, come on. Yeah. That's, fine. Yeah. yeah sure. Disingenuous. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not needed. Not necessary. Which I guess we're talking about Shrek 2. How does Shrek 2 kind of- Yeah, we were talking about Shrek, Shrek 2, 2 before the, the podcast. Hmm. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting distracted. Douglas. <laughs> yes, Jonathan. Do you uh do you have any trivia for the boys and girls at home? I do have some trivia for the boys and girls at home oh. and for yourself. Oh, for me as well. Uh, there's actually it's actually some it tends to be with Disney movies there's normally a fair bit of uh very good trivia, but I've uh, just picked out some of the the highlights, ones that uh interested me, but I would say definitely if you are more curious about the trivia of this film, definitely go and check it out for yourself. Um because there is plenty to be found out there lots of like you know typical disney easter eggs and things like that as well which is always fun in the first scene one of the toys on the boys bedroom shelf is the toy plane that hung from the ceiling and caused buzz to fly in and as mike and sully go through the scare floor the rolling clown from toy story can be seen in the background also, when Randall is practicing camouflaging into backgrounds of walls, one of the images given to him is a wallpaper that Andy has in his room. Uh-huh. Uh, reinforcing the, what is it, the, you know, all those theories about how all of the Pixar movies are connected. In the same universe or something. Yeah, they're in the same universe. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy that. I have, I have a little bit more, I, I know a bit more trivia about the the bedroom situation like the toys in the bedroom but I'm, I feel like you might have some more so I'm not going to cut in on you just yet alright well if I don't say it you can buy okay maybe it I will about that. Yeah. news leaked in early fall of 2001 that this movie would feature the first teaser for Star Wars episode 2 Attack of the Clones hundreds of Star Wars fans paid admission for the movie just to see the teaser and reportedly some left after seeing it <sighs> Ew. yeah oh, bit of a well, Attack of the... Well, Attack of the... We all know how Attack yeah, of the Clones... Yeah, I'd much rather watch clones, this than sorry. fucking Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones, yeah, let me tell you. Uh, sand is so coarse. Uh, 
I hate sand. Why isn't that on the snubs? Yeah, I hate sand. Because it's a bad movie, when, that's why it's not on the snubs. Well, what have we... We were talking about guilty pleasures. Maybe Attack of the Clones is my guilty pleasure. Is it? No. It's not mine either, so... <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Uh, not required. When Sully greets Ted, the monster's so big we only see the lower half of his body, Ted was originally supposed to roar like Godzilla. The filmmakers asked permission from Toho, Godzilla's film studio, to use a Godzilla roar, but Toho turned them down. So Ted responds with a chicken cluck instead. Because, you know, T-Rex, chicken, that whole shtick. Right. In one of the credit bloopers, though, he was revealed to be a dinosaur Rex from Toy Story auditioning for a role in the movie. Which, by the way, the bloopers reel for Monsters Inc., they took their time to animate so its own blooper reel. So fucking dumb. Like, it's, I, something in my mind is like, I think there's like maybe one or two genuine bits that happened in the recording studio. Yeah. Like the bit with um, Mike and Sully hiding behind the menu. And uh, Sully is, you know, so say so Ookle in the Ag Bay, but he like fucks it up. And then Ookle in the Bag like, Bay. I think you need to E-Ray your Ipscray. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one with the two interns. Uh, one of them says Solomon instead of Sullivan. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but the rest yeah. of them is just like... Which- Half, half of those bloopers are just like Roz showing up in places yeah. and like that. Oh, yeah, nah. yeah. <laughs> nah. I was just like, funny for me as a kid, but then like, yeah, now I'm like, okay, fucking <sighs> beat that dead horse Pixar, yep, come on. Yep. Uh, those two teens, we didn't talk about them before the trivia, but fuck, I love those two characters. They they play such a very small part in this film, but the the way that the one dude says shut up will guaranteed kill me every single shut time. Up. Just, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's pu- pu- <laughs> the inflection on their voice is just the best. The restaurant that Mike and Celia are at is called Harryhausen's. This is an homage to Ray Harryhausen, the man who made the stop-motion animation monsters for films like Jason and the Argonauts in 1963. Also, the octopus behind the bar in the restaurant with only six legs is a reference to It Came From Beneath the Sea in 1955, a film in which Harryhausen created an octopus with six arms due to budget restrictions. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's excellent. So, that's pretty cool. Nice little, uh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, tiny bit at Harryhausen's sushi restaurant employees shout get a paper bag whenever somebody uh, walks through the door in Japan it is customary for employees of any store to shout irashaimase um, and the monster shouting get a paper bag is a phonetic reference to this fact there's a similar reference in Toy Story 2 allegedly so what does that what does that happen what is it in in Toy Toy Story 2 I have no idea okay Good trivia, Douglas. I guess. Is Toy Story 2 on the... Shut up. Is Toy Story 2 on the list? I don't think it is. Oh. Uh, it is a good sequel. It is a good sequel. Maybe it is on the list. Mm. Hmm. The scoreboard at the scaring contest consists of names of Pixar staff members. Okay, obviously. Classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Randy Newman's song, If I Didn't Have You, finally netted the composer an Academy Award after 16 nominations. I was going to say, and he has... Like, 22 now, I think, and he only has two wins. <sighs> but he's done a lot. That's, yeah, fucking crap. Which, uh, we briefly touched on it at the beginning of the podcast. I fucking love this soundtrack. I uh, really, really... We- I did some, like, looking around, because I was just like, has he done more jazz stuff? No, not hmm. really. <laughs> he just does a lot Aww. of scores. I was extremely what? bummed out by that. Yeah, I want a Randy Newman jazz playlist. I just want, like, a Monster- Monsters, Inc. jazz record. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Work with that Mary vibe. Gibbs was so young that it proved difficult to get her to stand in the recording <laughs> studio and act her lines. Instead, they simply followed her around with a microphone and cut Boo's lines together from the things she said while she played. That's so good. Imagine being the like audio engineer and having to follow, getting paid <laughs> to follow a kid around with a microphone and like just say it into the mic, say it into the mic. So can we get that one more time? Put it in the mic. <laughs> but then like having to also correct that audio and make sure that it is all like sounding the yeah. same because you wouldn't be able to if you're just jamming a microphone like at a kid's mouth. It's never going to be at the same. Uh, proximity mm. to their mouth every single time so you'd have to edit it all to it's just a it's how they did it after sully says goodbye to boo he closes the closet door when boo jumps out of bed she has grown seven percent by the time she reaches the door the programmers had to do this because she was too short oh my god <laughs> oh does she so, like grow as she's going as she's walking, that's, correct. That's hilarious. I, I didn't mention that, but... 7%. That shot of um, just, like, her in the bed where it's just, mm. you know, center, center of Massive frame, completely and flat boot. shot, and it's just... Yeah. That's heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But this film doesn't need to end on a sad note they're like no she, they they fucking reunite and they get it's back delightful together. Yeah. yeah and and mike you know digging through all the wood chips to that's find so, the, that's so the sweet pieces. that's so fucking, so sweet like it's so heartwarming the sequence where sully thinks that boo has gone through the trash compactor is an al- almost shot for shot remake and an homage to the warner brothers looney tunes cartoon short feed the kitty in that cartoon, a bulldog named Mark Antony mistakenly believes that Pussyfoot, a kitten he has adopted, has been made into a cookie. <laughs> and I, I, when I read that, I watched a lot of Looney Tunes as a kid. I remember exactly the short that they're talking about, and it... It seems familiar. Full circle. Uh, yeah, it legitimately is almost shot for shot the exact same thing, because it, like, it shows the process of, like, you know, what the the kitten or boo is supposedly going through, and it's just constantly getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And then, yeah, the, the bulldog, or in this case, Sully's reactions. Delightful. Jennifer Tilly, who plays Celia May, was married to Sam Simon, who was one of the creators of The Simpsons. She raved to the Pixar crew about a script she read written by a Simpsons director for an animated film. The director was Brad Bird, and the script was for The Incredibles, which oh. became a Pixar film three years later. Wow. Wow. Wait, was The Incredibles mm. 2004? Yep. Oh, my God. Oh. It just passed its 15th anniversary. Oh, I feel old. That's not good. Yeah, we're, we're getting a little bit old. Yeah, yeah. It normally took 11 to 12 hours to render a single frame of Sully because of his 2.3 million individually animated hair strands. The total number of hairs is 2,320,413 hairs. Almost none of the other characters have hair. Mm-hmm. Roz does, but I, I wonder think- why. <laughs> Roz does, but I think it's like a like a polygon or, you know, yeah, like yeah. heavily simplified. Hmm. Hmm. Sully's hair looks just constantly whenever you look at him. His hair is like fucking just yeah. Crazy also, I love this. Like. I love this concept that everyone sees Roz as like like gross and ugly when everyone is gross and ugly. Is gross and, and ugly? People are yeah. Going yeah. out of their way to look gross and ugly. Yeah. They they put on deodorant. That's they like put on, a wet dog and trash can. They put on odorant. 
Yeah, odorant, <laughs> that's right. The ingredient list on the cereal that Sully feeds Boo is as follows. Tentacles include suckers. Sugar pods, gelatin, artificial flavor, artificial color, yellow 53 and 54, red 400, blue 21, plaid 16, and puce 30. Salt, seawater, naturally occurring mercury, barium, sulfuric acid, lead, bile, blood, sweat, tears, zinc oxide, vitamins D and F, uh, brine shrimp, coral, plankton, deadly pufferfish, depleted uranium to preserve freshness. <laughs> That's Can you amazing. imagine the guy who was like, okay, Terry, we want you to write something on the back of this cereal box. And he was like, you, you got, got it. it. <laughs> I just like that there's, you can see the point where he gets to like blood, sweat, tears. Like, <laughs> he writes like a bunch of stuff that like could be on the back of a cereal box. And then he's like, oh, fuck it. Blood, sweat and tears. Good nuts. Deadly puffer fish. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's it. Um, as I said, there's probably plenty more out there, but uh, those were the ones that I found the most interesting. Uh, my favorite one was finding out that uh, Bob Peterson voices Roz, who's also the voice of um, yes, uh, voice of Doug. Um, what was it? Toys in Monsters Inc. Bedroom, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the. Well, there's the Finding Nemo, which is yes. a clownfish, yes. and then Jesse from Toy Story Two. But the Finding Nemo, uh, like the clownfish, was a like a sneak peek kind of reference. Oh yeah, to Finding Nemo. That's Finding right. Nemo yeah, because Finding Nemo later. wasn't out then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, very cool. That's a little cute little something something they did, and they, yeah, they have the ball mm. and the, all that stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. Fuck, I love Finding Nemo. Can't wait till we get to that. Uh, that's really, really far in. That's a it? long uh, way away. Okay. That one and Wally are both a very, 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 very long way away. Mm. So, um, fuck yeah, I love. I'm so happy I got to rewatch this movie. This was delightful. Um, yeah, it's. Like- I probably wouldn't have. I probably wouldn't have gone out of my way to rewatch it had it not been for the two five zero. Um, and I'm, yeah, superbly happy that I did. It's wonderful. It's, um, mm. it's absolutely fucking cracker of a film. Wholesome vibes, your bloody heartwarming ending. Like, like the ending of this podcast is going to be. Oh. You can, the, the segues, he just, he, how does he do oh. it every week? Just time and time again. He Non-stop. nails it every single time. You can find us, uh, weekly. We uh, post our episodes every Tuesday at 12 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. That's 2 p.m. on a Monday for Greenwich Mean Time, 10 a.m. on a Monday for our uh, Eastern listeners, and 7 a.m. on a Monday for our Pacific listeners. Uh, if you want to get in us, get in contact with If you want to get in us, uh, uh. <laughs> if you want to get in contact with us directly, you can email us on 250pod at gmail.com. Uh, you can watch the, I uh, no, sorry. Our social media stuff is, uh, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at 250pod, T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H-P-O-D. Uh, Instagram is probably the best one to go for there, but, uh, you know, we're semi-active on pick all your, those spheres. Pick your favorite. Mm-hmm. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Pocket Casts, Google Home, and Amazon Echo. Uh, we're also maybe still we're we're testing streaming these. 
Yeah, we're, we're currently, uh, right now, as of the time of recording, we're currently live streaming uh, to a very small, uh, quiet viewership. <laughs> uh, but, um, we're, yeah, we're toying around with the idea of live streaming uh, the 250. So if there is anyone that is listening to this on the podcast format uh, that is interested in the idea of uh, the live stream idea, uh, feel free to get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you and see... Uh, yeah, what do you think of the idea? This might have completely gone away by the time that this actually hits the podcast yeah. services, in which case, mm. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also have little private uh, Letterboxd accounts. Letterboxd is a movie tracking service where you can keep on top of the films that you have watched and the films you want to watch and um, write little reviews and stuff. So, we write little reviews and stuff. Uh, <laughs> I have... <laughs> I have, uh, I'm doing little haikus every, theoretically, for every film. I think I'm about six films behind now. Uh, and Douglas, oh, sorry, my account is Upa. That is yes. U-U-U-P-A-H and Douglas. Wow, you really fucking hey, just sent that one home. You put it in a box and just kicked it down the street. Um, my letterbox account is I-E-N-Z-O-K-N-I-G-H-T. That's Yenzo Knight. I write more condensed versions of what I talk about here on the podcast, as well as any other tidbits that I forget to mention, as well as just other films that I'm watching. Uh, I recently put up a review on Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman, um, which I actually didn't mind that much. A lot of people weren't fans of it, but I, yeah, it was uh, about... It was about middling. I'd probably watch it again, but I don't have any desire to watch it again right now, but I might revisit it. It's no snatch. We'll say that. Right. And if there is anything we can say about the 250s that we're looking forward to snatch with all our might, that's pretty much the entire purpose for Jonathan of this podcast is that when we get to snatch, he's pretty much just going to tap out and it's yep. going to be a solo podcast. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so, so we're going to try and do that next week uh, so I can get this over and done with nice quickly and then I can leave the other... <laughs> just skip straight to Snatch, could you imagine? Leave the other 230 episodes up to Douglas. Yeah, you got it, baby. <laughs> Solo podcast. Uh, well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening to The 250. This is a... And as always... F- Don't, no... Don't. No, go on, you have to... Go on, go on, say what you want to say. Fuck it. It's a good movie. It's... We'll see you real soon. <laughs> wow, this is the most high energy ending we've ever had. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. Thank you. We love you. Go watch this movie. It's go watch this. Go. I mean, everyone's watched. Surely everyone's watched Monsters Inc. by now. Surely. 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 What I'm saying is that if haven't- you haven't watched Monsters Inc., you're an oddity and should be shamed. Oddity. Mm-hmm. Space oddity. Wait, no shit. That's Odyssey. Fuck. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha